Anchor, which is a, a, a podcast voice only recorder. And um, we ended up having to record, you know, we missed about the first 10 minutes and then we, we got, we recorded the rest um, and at least managed to salvage the audio. Oh man. <laughs> so, what was a very unusual um, guest to have. So I hit the record button a minute ago because I always like things to be a little bit organic. And uh, so what we're talking about, people are just jumping in right now, and if they're listening to this, is we recorded a good 10 minutes of this conversation, and I looked over and realized none of the lights were on on the recorder. So uh, we had to start over again. So uh, it's the beginning of the podcast, and you were just explaining the exact same thing happened to you, and it's the most frustrating thing in the world because it feels like conversations one of the things i like about podcasts are conversations are like uh they're almost like i don't know what the word is like snowflakes like there's never going to be two again unless it's scripted and if it's scripted it kind of sucks it needs to be kind of organic and uh if you and i tried to recreate the nine minutes that we, we thought or i thought i was recording before it would never turn out the same it would sound kind of clunky and weird. I, I couldn't do it. Um, I don't. I can't memorize things. <laughs> so couldn't happen. Um, so we're starting over. So you have to introduce yourself. And we had so earlier, or I guess it was yesterday. I I did a Facebook uh, live room thing, and uh, I I closed it out, or I thought I did. And I was editing the podcast. I was getting ready to post it, and it's taking time to process. And uh, all of a sudden, I got a uh, uh, a join request from you, and I'm like, "Oh shit!" So we started another one here. So here we are. Uh, introduce yourself, my dear. Hello. Well, I am uh, Tamara Lanan. Was T R Lanan uh, growing up? Class of '96, there in Hubbardville. And that's your claim to fame. You went to Smithport. I mean, I mean that—that—that's my claim to fame because the fact that I got out of there as a C student and you know couldn't even tie my shoes, and now I, you know, run major tours is a, is a sentiment to um, what growing up on moonshine really can do for <laughs> individuals. So. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. So, did you I mean, right out? Where did you go right out of high school? During the Navy, right out of high school. Did you really? I didn't know that. Yeah. So you were yeah. like we we said this. I feel like we're recreating a, a conversation we had like twenty minutes ago, but you were in my sister's grade, so I knew. I don't want to say I didn't know you, like, but. I didn't know you in the way that I knew the person that sat behind me in every class. So I knew you as someone that was in my sister's grade. And then uh, when uh, Facebook's kind of a funny thing where you start watching somebody's lives or all these people's lives and uh, you start seeing what they're doing and you're like, oh, that's interesting. Like they, as much as everybody bitches about social media lately, I'm very fortunate and feel fortunate that you can get to keep in contact with people and see kind of what they're doing in life. It's, it's super interesting. Like the, 
past the path path i've had a couple beers tonight uh the th is are getting hard to say uh but the the roads that people go down are never ones that i would expect you know if you were gonna write a paper like if i was gonna sit down in my senior year and they gave me a list of the everybody in the school and what they're gonna do i probably would have been wrong 96 percent of the time it's it's super interesting to see where people go and life kind of bounces them around and the opportunities or uh, challenges that they face that send them in a different direction. It's, it's, it's super interesting. So It is. And I, I like the, the part that I like about it the most, I think, is um, holding on to that kind of that essence of... Um, you got a little grit in life. You can you can get great places, right? So, mm-hmm. growing you know obviously growing up in Smithport, right? Um, I didn't I didn't have good grades, right? I I could throw a shot put and I shot pretty good, drank really well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I wrote a lot. I was the editor of the school newspaper. Like I was in band mm-hmm. with with your sister, um, right? Uh, drama club, you know all that stuff. Um, I wrote all the time. Um, got in a lot of trouble in English class because all I did was write. I wrote my first book in junior high-ish slash high school there. Um, and uh, tanked that. I remember sitting in uh, Coach DeFilippi's office at the time. He was the guidance counselor, which, you know, was a great move on, you know, high schools across the world, right? Make uh-huh. the, uh, the high school coach, uh, the, you know, guiding young, <laughs> you know, people's uh, talent to, uh, you know, the better world. And... I mean, I tanked my SATs, dude. When I said tanked, I'm like, I even got my name wrong. It was so bad. Um, now, I know now I'm dyslexic. Did not get diagnosed with none of that shit in high school, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so I couldn't do math to save my life. Um, it was just, I kind of was in that, you know, well, you know, she's going to be um, digging ditches. But here's what I said to that. A, people who dig ditches have union jobs, and those jobs are awesome. So I should have known that, right, back then. But, um Everything they told me, uh, he said, you know, better join the military because you can't get into college. And if you don't go to college, you, you can't go anywhere. Um, and now Tony Amanetti, who went to graduated with, with myself, um, mm-hmm. we discovered that we lived a few miles apart um, here in Arizona about five years ago. So you guys, that's, that's what's, wait, so let's, let's pump the brakes real quick. So you graduated what year? 96. And it was just like 2015 that you realized that Tony lived a few miles away from you. Yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> it was. That is the. Cr- I think 2014. That is the craziest thing ever. It's such a small world. Yeah, that. It, it, it is, and, it, and it's crazy because uh, Tony is much like myself where he was a C student, and, mm-hmm. right? A guidance counselor was like, go in peace, good luck, right? He, yeah. uh, Tony went into the Air Force. Um, Ryan Bailey tipped me off that Tony was in the area. We quite literally lived three miles apart from each other. Um, it's going to sound crazy, but we met at In-N-Out to get caught up. Mm-hmm. Got caught up in what you know each other was doing, and... Um, the time I was um, in 2008, I started my own dispatch center, front office solutions. Um, and um, back then, voiceover IPs weren't stable. 
Um, and you had to get like DID trunk systems. They were very expensive computers to have a call center in that particular year, right? Like mm -hmm. it was really bad overhead. Um, and it was hard to have an appliance to just match that. Um, had lunch with Tony, found out he's a friggin' software guru. He works at Gerald Dynamics. He automates like spaceships and shit, even though he never, you know, went to college either. Right. Like an AC student, really getting by. Um, but had been very successfully running his own businesses on the side as well. And him and I got together. Um, he built the software program that our dispatch company uses to this day. Um, that our upper office solutions is now a um, legal nonprofit. We only hire uh, chronically ill veterans um, or their family members um, for employment so that uh, if somebody's sick, um, they don't lose their job. Mm -hmm. We um, co do some marketing together, um, which I think is where you kind of see some things because we, um, I do a lot of in uh, celebrity director of operations, it's probably the, the fastest way to say what I was doing last year. Um, work with folks like Les Brown. I was his director of operations. He's an inspirational speaker. Mm -hmm. um, right. I worked with um, Grant Cardone and Milet. Again, those you know, real estate kind of inspirational speaker guru guys. Um, I help um, with uh, Steve D. Sims right now is a mutual um, friend and partner on some media things with Tony and I. Um, Tony built some software for some pretty cool people. Um, and so we had a lot of fun. We do a lot of business together. And for two C students that like last time I was visiting Tony um, at his house, um, we were taking a leaf blower and turning it into a t-shirt launcher, right? Um, which is where honestly at the end of the day, um, you know, the name of my, one of my companies is, is profitable shenanigans. Um, and it's kind of just the essence of uh, running around and having a good time really really blessed to work with some of the best minds in business um you know and uh just i just have a lot of fun and i know people say well what do you do and i guess you know the story we talked about earlier um didn't go down but probably the only way to really explain what i do because i'm fluid <laughs> what i mean by that is you know i'm not somebody who could go oh i do customer service or Oh, well, I think you do marketing. Well, I, I do for my celebrity clients, but mm -hmm. I'm not in marketing, right? I'm really deadly with hashtags right now um, and things like that. And so, you know, really, really good and uh, great at bringing in the right team members, right? Like it takes a village. Um, and so the fact that I can pick up the phone and call some of the most brilliant minds out there anywhere um, that will, will help us out certainly makes me look a lot smarter than I am. But um. <laughs> It's about me, about the fluidity. Like I said, I shared earlier, you know, I was horrible at basketball, uh, but uh, I made the basketball team, uh, you know, back there um, every year. And it wasn't because I could dribble the basketball or, or shoot it. Um, it was because I took, I could take it away from anybody. I always knew where the basketball was going. Um, and I would watch body language and I would just watch different things. And I would get the basketball and I would feed it to somebody who could make the shot which is exactly what I do in business. I mm -hmm. am behind the scenes a lot. I am the person who, you know, gets the team to the top of the mountain. Um, and then I pass the ball to whoever can actually make the shot. Um, and so it's It's kind of weird. Um, and uh, you know, good potty humor, but you know, I'm, I'm basically, you know, number one and being number two, um, <laughs> because, um, I'm not in the spotlight often. I don't like to be, but, um, I, um, 
had been really blessed to be the driving force behind some some amazing products and tours and um you know charities we've helped tony and i have helped um chemo buddies for life um it's a major nonprofit for cancer and uh we helped the president of that actually win uh the next impactor which is a big big business um contest right it's a big deal out in the, in the entrepreneur world and, and tony and i were were the campaign managers and, and drove that um you know that, that campaign um just last few months ago uh with the work that we do with steve d sims um they were able to raise enough money to save a um, women's shelter um that uh, tony has supported forever and so it's a lot of fun to uh a right be the dumb kids who do pretty good um in life um with business and but we have fun right and that's where the whole proper shenanigans thing comes in and uh that's it's hard to find that experience out in the real world anymore and you certainly you know usually don't find it right two thousand miles away from where you grew up in bfe 1200 people live here Pennsylvania, right mm -hmm. uh for us to be out here um in the uh the, the big kid world, the big entrepreneur world, because um, it's uh, definitely not where you, we were told or you would expect to see, you know, two kids from support Pennsylvania would be, you know, when they're, you know, in their 40s. So, right. So here's a couple things. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm a lit, I'm literally two years older than you. Um, so I'm going to use my uh, vast elderly wisdom here. To ask you a couple questions. Uh, the first one is absolutely, and I I uh, I was struggling with this myself uh, earlier this week. Why do you uh, uh, define yourself as a C student from Smithport? Like uh, I've talked to you a couple times now before this, and it seems like a. Uh, Something that's come up a couple of times. And uh, I'll tell you why I say this. Because there was a certain point in school for me where I realized, like, mm, a lot of this is bullshit. Because I started working when I was fairly young. And I realized when I was going and doing these jobs, uh, whether it's construction or uh, whatever, that a lot of the things they're teaching you in school... Mm, probably never going to use. And so I, at some point I, I, I sort of quit giving them any credence or um, weight in what I should spend my time on as a teenager. And it goes against everything that, that uh, you know, the, the uh, traditional good student would, would do. And, uh, and same, so through most of the years of my school, I, I did really good, but somewhere around the 14, 15 year old age, I, I'm just like, this is all bullshit. Like I can pick this book up and I can know everything about this book in a night and they're stretching this out over a whole year. And then at after I memorize all this shit, like not learn things, memorize things, I will never use this again. 
And if I do, if I do run into a situation that I need this again, I can just pick up this book and go, oh, chapter three, this is how you do that. And at some point during that, I completely was like, I'm out. Like, I'm, I, I, I'm not spending my time doing this. I'm, I'll do anything else. And I, I don't think as a, as a, uh, a uh, student, that's the best way to go about it. But I feel like it's the best way to go about it as a person. But I, I, I struggled for a long time with some shame that at my senior year, when I made it to the end of the year, I graduated I went to work and all my friends, all my good friends went to college. Everybody disappeared. Like nobody stayed around here. Um, And uh, for some reason, I carried that forward. Like, I I don't know what to say. Like, uh, it was a thing that you always were were like, I was a, I don't know what I want to say. Like, I'm, I'm struggling to find the words, but, um, I, I hear that in a lot of the things that you're saying, like, uh, you, you sort of figured out what life was about long before, uh, you were exposed to it after you graduated from college and realized like, oh shit, life is a lot harder than textbooks and tests. Like it's, it's a whole different thing. You have to, you have to figure out problems as they come and, and, uh, it's kind of a fluid thing where you, you, you're never going to be prepared for it. So I, I don't know. I don't know if any of that makes sense, but. Well, it makes sense. Um, so I, I, I didn't go to college out of high school. Um, I joined the Navy. Um, and so I actually worked at the Circle K pumping gas until I left for boot camp. Um, it was one of those situations where I had wanted to go to college, um, but my father uh, made too much money for me to get any sort of grants um, back then. Mm-hmm. And um, I couldn't get any uh, student loans or things like that because um, his income was too high, even though he was not going to help me with college. Right. Um, and so um, I joined the military. I just kind of figured this is this was how the only way I was getting out of Smithport kind of thing. Um, and um, I did. It took me 10 years um, to get my college degree. I did end up with one. Um, but it took me 10 years to do it. And, uh, so I did that, that 10 year plan. Um, I wish I would have learned what you did a little bit sooner. I think, um, it's, it's funny with perspective, right? Like I wish I'd have been a lot stronger than I was after I turned like 17 and, um, you know, I was constantly under pressure and getting screamed at because I happened to be really good at throwing the shot put. Right. Mm-hmm. But and now I know I'm dyslexic, but at the time I didn't, right? And constantly being held after and screamed at. And I, I've had, I don't tell which teachers would stand behind me and smack me <laughs> back of the head every time I got a math equation wrong because I wasn't going to be able to go to districts and throw the shop hooks. I couldn't pass math class. Um, and they ended up pulling me out and putting me in like these accounting programs. Um, and so I guess for me, um, feeling like I wasn't smart enough um was something i kind of sadly embraced entirely too much um and and you know and that's where that resonated when i had the guidance counselor telling me right that um my only hope was the military and i wasn't smart enough and you know who did i think i was right stephen king because 
you know, I would never get a book published and um, I've written 30 books, right? And I am, I do pretty well. I, I, had, I have a book right now that just went international bestseller. Um, really? In Congratulations. And it, it, yeah, it's, it's getting ready to come over here. Thank you to the United States. Um, and it was funny, I found that out by accident. I got up in my, and I was tagged on a bunch of stuff on LinkedIn. Um, and none of it was in English. Um, and so um, that was really, really exciting. But so for me, so I left at 18, joined the military. Um, very shortly out of boot camp, I got married, right? Um, I married someone much older than myself who basically behaved and spoke to me exactly like, you know, um, other people did right growing up. Um, and so that wasn't the best uh, uh, marriage to say the least. Um, by the time I was 23, you know, I was blessed. I had my, my, my two daughters. And um, and so I kind of stayed in that immature kind of on the loser realm because I went from a place where I let people tell me I was making feel like I was dumb because um, I couldn't do math to, you know, win their, their state championships for shot put and stuff um, to marrying a guy who told me I wasn't smart enough to, uh, you know, balance a bank account and I'm, I'm really really embarrassed to tell you um, I was a teen cutter and until um, it was actually it was 2008 when I finally kind of snapped um, up to that point I didn't know how to get a bank account I didn't know how to do anything I was a hundred percent reliable on you know people basically telling me I was too dumb to do anything um, and then I was really blessed um, and um, my, the father of my kids, and God rest his soul, he passed away two years ago. Um, great father, by the way, just him and I didn't get along because of the age difference, right? He, he wanted somebody he could control. I uh, got deployed um, for almost four years straight. And while he was deployed, I went back to college and got my degree. I um, um, became a surgical tech and got a job um, as a civilian contractor on the military base after I got out of the military. Um, so I got out when he got deployed, um, so that I, uh, you know, wouldn't be somewhere with my with my my two children with their, you know, their father um, stationed someplace else. Um, and so I got out of the military, and that was kind of when I started writing again and just kind of trying to figure out, you know, what I wanted to do and all that. And then um, 2009 landed in Arizona, and uh, not well I'm here now, but. Uh, traveled so much as an entrepreneur that, uh, you know, until COVID, I really was never here. Um, I managed to avoid not being here in the summer. Um, and then, you know, that rest is kind of history. Met Tony and we kind of went off on, you know, our adventures. And, uh, mm -hmm. and it was just, I really wish I would have <clears throat> caught on much sooner to, you know, being that person who was like, yeah, okay, well, I, college wasn't for me. Um, right. I, I'm dyslexic and damn near illiterate. And it's funny, all, all, all the number one, like best-selling authors that I know, um, not, most of them are high school dropouts. You know, they don't know how to do punctuation. They don't, the, some of the most successful human beings um, financially on the planet that I've had the pleasure to meet and some of them work with, um, none of us were, were, were good in school, right? And, and, and we had something that we had to overcome which actually kind of scares me in today's society where, where, you know, every kid gets a trophy and all that kind of stuff. Because if you really, really look back, sit down and look at life and go, 
who do I know that's interesting or who do I know that truly developed something that was impactful? No, none of them were, you know, <clears throat> people who had it on easy street. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Very few trust fund kids out there becoming Nobel Peace Prize winners and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Or major entrepreneurs, right? Um, but, you know, uh, I know people, uh, Steve is one of them, uh, dropped out of high school, later from London. 14 years old um people like Elon musk write that man big checks he's a brilliant genius mm-hmm. business person he has done elton john's um birthday party for the last 10 years like he is he runs the premier concierge service in the world for people we've never heard of and never will um and he was a bricklayer and so i, I so do you I, think i hope as it's crazy you know i wonder i worry about the world about you know losing grit if that makes mm-hmm. sense yeah absolutely so do you think this is something that i think about a lot a lot so do you think that um let's just say um a past that either you're i don't i don't want to use the word ashamed I don't, I don't know what it is, what, what that word is, but do you suppose that's the cause or the motivator? So I'm a C student, so I work harder to prove myself as opposed to an A student who goes into it and goes, I'm an A student. Like, obviously my mind's been, uh, certified by the test that I took in high school. Where a C student goes into a, a situation is like, I have something to prove, and they'll work harder and um, push through something that the your college educated person. So, so if, let's just say, two people, one went to college, one didn't go to college, they end up at the same job the same day. They hired the two people to do this job. Do you feel like the uh, person that went to college would feel some superiority over the other person because they have what they would um, probably uh, explain as uh, better knowledge and training and the other person would have something to prove like I'm going to outwork that fuck like I'm going to be better than them I'm, I'm smarter I can do it regardless of what the paper says so i feel like there's a weird dynamic there that um that uh you hear the stories over and over again about the people that dropped out of college or dropped out of high school or didn't uh seek higher education that made it is there do you think there's some drive there that doesn't exist in the people that went to college and to maybe to their detriment that uh, if you had the education and the drive, you would have went farther? Or do you think it's drive only? That's a very good question. Um, I've seen both sides of it. I have seen, um, like we said, right, the the person who is illiterate, hated school, didn't do good, right? That mm-hmm. Gary Vaynerchuk is a great example of that. The man is, run, you know, media haven, um, and he was 100% driven by screw you, right? Um, right. I will not be serving your fries yep. when you go skiing kind of thing. Um, yep. But I've, and so, so, but I've also seen the other side of it where, because this was me and, and, and it has been a lot of other people for a while, 
for a while, I allowed the fact that I was a C student make me feel less worthy. So I didn't try as hard. Um, and then again, um, I have seen very arrogant college educated kids um, who, you know, did think they were better um, than you, right? The mm -hmm. amount of military officers, um, I was a hospital corpsman, you know, that came right out of med school and were told that, you know, everybody had to salute them, that I had to teach how to start an IV and I had to teach how to do a lot of things um, is, is obnoxious, quite frankly. Um, and so I really just think it for me, uh, you know, looking back, I think it just comes down to <clears throat> uh, personality or um, the more typically the more arrogant people who have to hold on to their diploma or they hold on to the fact that, you know, you better call me doctor. Um, mm -hmm. Those types of people have the lowest self-esteem I have ever seen in my entire life. Yes. Um, and they're afraid to fail. And so they, they hang on to these things um, because, you know, they're not necessarily confident that, that they can, you know, get through it. And, you know, for those of us who have realized that failing is the only way you get anywhere decent and, and you embrace that, um, you know, <clears throat> that that's where major change comes from. Um, you just said the best. So it's, it's hard to you just said the best thing in the world. Because I was going to say uh, that you said the doctors and these people are afraid to fail. And what I was going to say is what they don't realize is we're all failures. Like we all fail more times than we win. I don't care who you are. If you're in business or you're doing anything that's hard, uh, the amount of fails versus wins is overwhelming. And uh, if you uh, don't have the grit as you said earlier, or uh, somebody put it in your head that if you went to college, you're always going to win, uh, you're never going to make it. Like getting your dick pounded in the dirt on a regular basis is part of life. And uh, it, 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 I feel like a yeah. lot of people are looking for that easy street. Like uh, it's like a math equation. If I, if I get good grades and I go to college and then I get into the right job, everything's going to be easy peasy and it's not like life's fucking hard it's really hard super hard and shit's going to come sideways that you don't even realize it is i agree and i i, I think um but what the hell do i know you know the average high school student <clears throat> is still a senior in high school when they turn 18 right mm -hmm. and so um we're constantly telling these kids, like, you're a kid, you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that. Oh, you're 18, you're an adult, what the fuck you want to do with your life, right? We, we stop telling kids to go out and try things and taste things and try, you know, we stop telling people to live life and figure out what you're good at accidentally, mm -hmm. right? Like, if, if, if I would have went to college and done all that stuff or, you know, stayed on that path, there is zero chance... I'd be doing what I do and love so much for a living right now. Right. True. Like, yes. You could never, I couldn't have ever imagined me being where I'm at. And so I think we don't, we stop putting, it's going to sound strange, but like we need to go back to the good old days where, Hey, you're 12. You want to be a doctor? You know, you're, you're off living with the doctor guy for 10 years or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, good old fashioned 
experience. We, we, we give, we, we're, we're, we're teaching, we taught people in society that, you know, reading the book, not going to do it, right, um, is, is, you know, made you more confident. But, and I will tell you to this day, um, I was a hospital corpsman in the military and I was a surgical tech damn good at it. Um, I've done many surgeries. I have done a lot of things. I got out of the military, couldn't get into nursing school. Wasn't good enough. Um, I didn't have chemistry grades. I could do that job. And I think, um, I mean, now that the economy's kind of going the way that it is, I really do hope that we're trying to you'll get some common sense back to the point of, right, um, everybody learns differently. And that, you know, something like you said somebody reading a book and getting a piece of paper does not make them a better doctor right um i've seen a lot of student doctors who um had the best you know bedside manner i have seen people be at the top of their class as a doctor and the first time they saw blood pass out um (laughs) right and and, and they couldn't get a job and so i think we got to get back down to the core of Letty, we we kind of got it lucky, right? We were out there hunting and fishing and, and, and figuring shit out pretty, you know, you know early in life. Um, and we had a, a least little sense of, you know, a little bit of what we, we could do, right? We, we were taught to respect experiences. Um, and now we hide kids from them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they did this to you well, when you were in school, but the, the game commission would come in, right, and do the hunter safety courses. Yeah. Um, in, in school, you know, there was a loaded weapon in every room in my house growing up, <clears throat> in vehicle everywhere. Ne- never once were we the kids who were curious, right? Right. Um, right. We, still had, we still had this fight, but it's because we were we were we were raised to respect right. experience. Right. If that makes sense, right? You got a little cleanness going, so you can eat. Like we were taught yep. that. Things were tools, and it was what you did with those tools that determined where you got in life. I mean, somewhere along the way, we started, we stopped telling people that we started telling them this piece of paper is the only way you can make it instead of saying this is a tool for where you want to go. Well, I think that we've confused two things. So when you get that piece of paper, it qualifies that your mind is able to do the calculations required for the job. But it does not qualify that you have the ability to do it. There's two different things between knowing how to throw a baseball and throwing a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. Like, there's two different things there. Like, you can understand the mechanics of it. You could study it all day, every day. And get all, you could pass all the tests and understand why a hundred mile an hour fastball can be thrown and never be able to throw it. And there's places for all those people, but we confuse that if you went in, you know, this is kind of, this is where I'm kind of down on the self-help world a little bit. Um, I can explain to you why Nolan Ryan was the best pitcher ever. And I don't know. I don't, I, that's the first baseball player that comes up. I don't follow baseball ball, but that's what I'm saying. Like I can, I can, uh, you know, because I don't follow it. Right. But what I can, I can sit down and say he was an amazing pitcher and give you all the science why he was. 
And if I passed every test on why he was the best pitcher ever, doesn't mean I'm the best pitcher ever. Like there's some physical ability or some uh, other thing that makes you the greatest. And that's one of the things that I feel like is missing in all of uh, school period from kindergarten to college that we're qualifying your mind as being able to do this, but it doesn't mean that you can. It doesn't mean that you have the ability. It means you understand it, but it doesn't mean you're, you, you are going to kill it. And people, I feel like, confuse those two things. And the, the older I get, the more I look at that kind of thing and I'm like, oh, uh, people who can do it are more important than people that can understand it. You can do it. You could throw a fastball and not understand the mechanics of why you throw that fastball. But you can do it just because you physically can. And uh, you're better off than the person that passed all the tests that could. (laughs) There's nobody in the Baseball Hall of Fame that passed all the tests of why the mechanics of the fastest fastball work. If that makes any sense. No. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um and, and I agree. Um, and first of all, uh, I'm with you on the team. Some of the self help shit is horrible. Um, but uh, two things. I actually had a conversation. Um, so I work a lot in suicide prevention as well. That really, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, is what drives me. I was a teen cutter. Um, I was eight years old when my when my mother took her life. Um, and I have lost several family members, and I have one net right now that um, we will lose very soon after their uh, fourth suicide attempt. Um, mm. And so that, that mental health thing kind of, you know, ran through my family, but it, it also ran through from the small-mindedness of small towns, right? We were Catholic, so she was in hell. Um, 1987, mental health wasn't a thing, right? She was just this weak, horrible, selfish yep. person, yep. you know, type thing. Um, and I was talking to um one of the well on paper one of the top rated um childhood trauma psychologists out there right they've written all the books they get all the they're on all the panels for you know all the things in all the world right um and i was talking to this individual the other day um before we were going to do a podcast and um and she finally said she was like you know what she was ask a little bit about why I do what I do, right? And I, and I talked about my mom, and, and, and really at the end of the day, that's the reason I do everything that I do is I have determined I'm going to end suicide, um, right? And I need smart mm-hmm. people who have great voices. And, and, you know, that's why I work with a lot of the people that I do. Um, they can help me reach, right, more people. And um, and, and this is what she said. Now, this, now um in this podcast episode will air so people will get the name right i'm not talking out of school but if they want to know who it is they're gonna have to come listen to the podcast episode uh shameless plug right there but um she said i don't understand people who are depressed i don't understand teen cutters i don't my i said i do not understand a place where you don't want to live anymore and that and and so i stopped and i realized again kind of like what we were talking about before right She's considered the grand pooba out there on depression and mental health. No, no, never been there. No clue how it works. And uh-huh. I got kind of quiet and I said, well, let me explain something to you. I said, first of all, I thank the Lord above. I'm so very happy that you don't get it. 
but the fact that you do not understand, right, um, the hell of, of that um, is a great thing. And you should embrace that, I said. And I'm really glad we're having this conversation, I said, because that, that's a lot of the problem with mental health, right? We're dealing with people who never been there. There's a reason why he joined Alcoholics Anonymous responsible as an alcoholic, mm-hmm. right? Do, do, do I have, yes, I have a degree now. I had 10 years to get it. I'm almost done with my master's to be a counselor, but I can, I can tell you how the brain of a team cutter works in a nanosecond. I can spot them 20 miles away um, and can discuss things with them in a way that, that the top national right brain out there um, for every degree known to man um, can't. And again, I think we just got to, um, you know, be able to have those honest conversations about understanding, like you said, right? She's, she's read it all. She's done it all. She knows it all. She can spout it out. Um, but she's never been depressed a day in her life. She's never had to, you know, walk into the fires of hell, stare Satan straight down and get, and get back out and not know how, how hard that is to do. She read um, the book about throwing a fastball, but she's never thrown a fastball. Back a day in her life, but she's right. in the fastball hall so of fame, I, right? I'm going to ask you a question, and I, I'm a little yeah. hesitant to ask it, but have you, and, and I'll tell you why in a second. But how close, and obviously, you know, your, your mother uh, committed suicide. How close have you ever come to being in that state? Oh, to the point where um, I had cleaned my house, um, put my will on the table, um, made sure that my kids weren't going to find my body, and grabbed a bottle of alcohol and a razor blade and um, was, was going to leave this planet. Um, and and I'm, I'm obviously, um, it's a hard thing to admit, and it, and, it, and it left one hell of an impression on my oldest daughter. Um, you know, she's 22. And she's now navigating just like I had to, um, right? She called me one day screaming, like, you were going to commit suicide. You, you were going to leave me. Like, she couldn't understand why she wasn't enough. And and I had basically done to her, right, what my mom had done to me, except for I just didn't actually do it. Um, mm-hmm. Because I believed I was destined for that. Um, so, uh, again, um part of me not taking full responsibility soon enough in life for the way um, I allowed things to affect me was after my mom passed away, we were not allowed to speak her name in our home. I never saw a photo of her again. And I couldn't tell you to this day what my mom sounded like. It's just been the last few years I managed to find photos of her by Facebook, going into chat groups and the Smithport groups and finding people she went to school with who would send me photos. Um, Right, the Catholic Church at that time said she was in hell and they wouldn't do her funeral. Um, the Catholic Church has since changed their stance on mental health. But when you're eight years old, that's pretty powerful right. that your mom was this horrible thing. And I was her only daughter. And my father constantly told me I was just like her and I was weak minded. And um, so I sadly embraced for a very long time. I really just thought that that's what I was supposed to do. And that was like all mm-hmm. I was going to be. Um, 
I very openly talk about this. Actually, the the death date of my of my mom. She's been gone now, um, uh, thirty five years. She was only here for thirty three years, right? Um, and the day I turned thirty four was the hardest day of my life because I felt like I could never get to know my mom, right? Like I I had more experiences than her, and, and it was difficult mm-hmm. to do. Um, and so for a very long time. I just, I just, you know, I was in the mindset that that's what was expected and that's what was going to happen. Um, and it, and it damn near did uh, a few times. And when I started speaking on stages um, for suicide prevention, right, my, my opening line just used to be, you know what, um, you know, my mother committed suicide and I am a mother that almost committed suicide, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a daughter who remembers that her mother almost committed suicide and, and, and talked about right passing down that 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 legacy it wasn't uh my mom my mom probably did have some sort of mental illness right um because mm-hmm. we're talking 1987 and Smith, we know she wasn't getting any help right yep. she was 20 years younger than my dad it was it was a toxic shit show from day one she was like 15 or 16 when she got pregnant with my oldest brother rj who is five years older than me so a couple years older than yourself mm-hmm. um I think he graduated at Smithport like ninety. Uh, I was in seventh grade when he graduated, so yeah. Um, I just entered seventh grade when R.J. left. Yeah, so he was you know, he uh, was three grade. years older than me, I think. Okay, yeah, and so um, he never had biological children. Um, neither did my younger brother Sean. Um, and I very openly speak about this, and they, and they know. Um, I've already gotten these angry phone calls when they heard my podcast. So. <laughs> But, but um you know my younger brother sean was 21 and he got a vasectomy i said why the hell would you get a vasectomy at 21 and he said the dysfunction stops here um and that just kind of clicked and it really really made me sad and it made me want to look at things in a different way that my entire family was just so dead set that we were this miserable curse that we should no longer like after you know, my father, you know, is gone. My dad's family line ends, right? His sons didn't have kids. I had two daughters, right? There's no, that, that legacy, I, and I have two male cousins, Logan and Timmy. Um, they graduated there. But all in essence, right, my, my family did everything they could to ensure that our way we thought, you know, didn't get passed on. Mm-hmm. And and sadly, instead there was a better answer right like they could have had kids and decided not to be that right Mm -hmm. and 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 that's kind of what i had to do in the last few years is go you know what instead of um physically committing suicide you know how can i the uh the book that actually went um bestseller overseas coming out is called letters to nancy and it's about my mom and, and that transition um and basically for me it was i kept going how do i commit suicide without physically dying right and mm-hmm. so for me that was getting rid of the parts of me that thought i had to die the parts of me that were ashamed to mention my mother's name the parts of me that um you know were told that psychology was a pseudoscience right and and for me and, and thank god i got to do that right i considered the fact that and, and, and the subtitle of the book is, you know, like my mother, 
and all intents and purposes, I also did commit suicide, but I tried, I just killed those parts of me, um, that had those horrible toxic thoughts, um, and, and realized they were wrong and that the best thing I could do, um, for my mom's memory and that, and that legacy, um, as long as I'm here is to, to try to change that, you know, thought process that, um, unless it's some mental illness that you have no control over, right? We, we know there's bipolar, there are things you can't help mental illness wise, but nine times out of 10, depression, suicide, those things um, are not related uh, to a mental illness and with behavioral changes and, and you know, lifestyle changes and stuff, um, you, you could, you know, live um, an amazing life, right? Um, True, yes. And, um, well, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with that. So, so uh, two things. Um, the first is, I always feel like uh, when you approach the subject of suicide, most people are like, "I could never do that." Like, it's just, it's just this weird taboo that. Uh, um. I don't even know how to describe it, but most people, there's, there's been several people around here that have committed suicide in the past few years. And, um, uh, the, 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 my friends are like, why would that person do that? And, uh, you know, how could it be so bad and all that stuff? So I'm going to back up a little bit in, in comparison to what you just said was my upbringing and growing up um my parents were normalish uh they stayed together there's like i had a really good life we'll say um and we can pick out our little qualms about things that maybe you know weren't perfect but overall compared to most people Oh, excuse me. I had a really good life. I had a really good uh, childhood, um, parent-wise, and uh, I had a really good teenage years. And afterwards, everything was roses. Maybe the best that you could ask for. But there have been days, and I I say this on a regular basis. If my shower head could talk, it would have me committed. Because in the past tw- twenty years, I, I there's multiple like endless amounts of days where I'm like fuck it, I don't want to live anymore. Like fuck this, I don't want to do this. It's too hard. It's it's impossible. Uh, I don't know how I'm gonna get through this. And it, it's mostly surrounding business stuff for me. But uh, like I fucked the world up. Uh, there's no way out of this. How I'm gonna get through this? I would rather not live than face another day of this and fucking the crushing, uh, chest-smashing anxiety of it all. And I had a, what I would say, good childhood, like all the good stuff. And there is at some point through that that I realized, like, shit, I can't imagine being somebody that has a click less than that let alone 10 clicks less like your mother committed suicide when you you said you were eight that's how old my daughter is right now i can't even fucking imagine trying to 
explain that to to my daughter. Like, I don't even know that there's any words that I could use. There's any way, like before we started the earlier podcast, she was having a meltdown because she couldn't uh, attend a YouTube of her favorite uh, Roblox uh, person who was going to give away a million dollars at 2 a.m. in the morning tonight. So, like, in 15 minutes from now... What's that? Which YouTuber? I I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. But she's having a, a fucking meltdown. I don't know what it was, but... So I she, find out, because I might know them. Um, uh, we can have her talk to somebody at a decent hour. <laughs> all right, well, well, maybe we can work that out. But what I'm saying is, like, she's having a meltdown... Because a person she doesn't know right. is going to give away something at 2 o'clock in the morning. And I don't know how you would uh, approach the subject. And this is what I'm trying to say. Of, oh, your mom, uh, she killed herself last night. Like, it seems like such like an impossible thing to explain to any person, let alone an 8-year-old. And then how that affects you going forward in life. And that's what I'm trying to say. Like, there has been multiple times in my life where I'm like, dude, I'm fucking checking out. Like, I'm not going to get through this. And I had a great childhood. Like, I'm, I don't have any, like, I got bullied a lot when I was a kid. But that is the worst. Like, I'm good. And then to, to reach an age where you realize there's a whole spectrum of everything that happened that's way worse than that. I, I don't even know the words to use. Like there, I start to look at people and go, Oh my God, these people are in incredibly strong willed people to, uh, like you just said, that's my destiny. That's, that's who I am. I, I didn't have any of that. Like, and I was on the brink a few times and, uh, I, I don't know how you do it. You're like, you're an incredibly strong person. And that, that's, that's, I, I, I don't know if I'm expressing this right, but, uh, I, I look at people like you and I'm like, Jesus, this person is like the, one of the strongest willed people I know on this earth. I don't know if that makes sense, but I, it does well, and and I, I'm humbled. I appreciate you you saying that because I, I certainly don't feel that way, right? Um, most of the time, I, I I've had those days where um, right, same thing, right? Like I, I'm done. I think really at the end of the day, um, being the C student is what saves me, right? Because I'm just too stupid to fucking quit anything, right? <laughs> but um, but but I would submit to you. But here's the thing, um. I really didn't know I had a dysfunctional childhood until I left for the military. Right. True. Um, yes. And other people told me. Yeah. Other people didn't understand why I was deathly afraid of my father and why, right, I was in the Navy. And if I wasn't, like, in my room as a grown-ass adult by 10 p.m., this motherfucker's calling security, right? Like, I, I didn't – that was the biggest shell shock. So I would tell you um, my mother passing away – was much harder on my older brother. He was 16, right? So he had all those memories. 
I was like eight and my younger brother was like six. So, right. So, you know, after my mom passed away and we were living in Florida, my dad moved us back up to Smithport. And I, I don't view my childhood as horrible. I mean, mm-hmm. I was in band and I did all those things. My mom was just something we never spoke of. Um, and I really didn't realize until I was an adult how what impact that made because you know how big Smithport is mm-hmm. not, right? Everybody yeah. knows everything. And when I became public about the work that I do in suicide prevention, which I've been doing since I was 13, I've volunteered for suicide hotlines and things like that since I was 13 years old, um, right? And I was speaking on stages long before it was a popular thing to do, right? Um, and, you know, I, when I got out of the Navy for a while, when I did come back to Meeking County, right, I was working over at the YWCA um, women's shelter and the Starving Dog brand and the things that I do now all stem from those experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, I have a, a bad childhood per se, right? Um, but I was depressed. I, I was suicidal. I was morbidly obese after I got out of the military. I drank like a fish, like, right. I had a great job. I had the Harley, Day, like I had everything on paper, the 2.2 kids and the, right. The husband and the, the Harley mm-hmm. Davidson's and, and, and all that. And I, I hated my life. I, I hated, hated my life, um, with, with, with everything. Um, that's a that's a bad way to go um and so i i, I guess you know i didn't I, I didn't view my childhood as, as horrible it was just we didn't deal with that right we didn't um, right i remember um i i i entered a poetry contract test um i think i was in the eighth grade and uh i wrote uh, writing was before I started cutting myself writing was how I kind of escaped I had horrible nightmares um as a kid like I used to have dreams of like being in a graveyard and my mom pulling me down and trying to kill me like Mm. I had shit Stephen King couldn't have written if you wanted to type nightmares um and nothing was ever done about it and I, I wrote a poem um and it's called Satan's Games. Now, it's not graphic. It's not one of those, like, disturbing, oh, God, you know, we're about to shoot. But it's very powerful. It's, and, and to know that I was, like, 11 when I wrote that, right, you realize, even to this day, when people read that poem or I perform it, the audience goes dead, dead silent, right? Um, and so when I submitted that in, in, at Smithport, they called my dad and they were like, you got to get her counseling, <laughs> right? Like, and they tried to start um, a counseling thing because at the time, one of the, um, I don't know, Christ, I feel horrible because I went, we were in school together, but they moved to Ohio. Uh, the Leet, the Leet girls, their dad mm-hmm. had a heart attack and passed yeah. away while we were yeah. in school. Um, and so they were going to bring in a counselor for the kids who had lost their parents. Um, and my dad said, absolutely not. Um and I stopped writing because every time I like wrote, I got a lot of trouble, like a lot of trouble. Um, right. And, and people ask, right. I used to be very angry. I didn't speak to my dad for like 10 years, very angry with him over things. But, but now like when you really heal, you get empathetic and I go, Holy shit. Well, I mean, obviously he wasn't set up for success. Right. Same thing. He, he married somebody, you know, 20 years younger than him. So there, there's an issue there. What, right. Um, mm-hmm. um, his wife left him with, you know, 
three kids on his own. Um, how must he feel? And um, and so I, I kind of got over that bitterness at my dad when I realized, I, I truly believe at the end of the day, he was just trying to play the hand dealt to him the best way that he could. And for him, that was just not to acknowledge it, right? Mm -hmm. um, and move on. And and I don't think he did that from a, a harmful place. Like, I really don't believe, right, that he was trying to, to uh, cause the amount of mental health harm is, is what was caused there. Because no. um, again, and we're talking 1980s, you know, AIDS was important, not mental health. True. And then this was going to be the second thing I was going to say about all this stuff. And uh, as you get older, you start to compare the age you are versus the age that you remember your parents were. So like you said, you made it to 32 or 33, and you're like, my mom checked out at that time. And you can understand life in a way that maybe you didn't understand when you were 8 or 10 or 12 or 20. And uh, same thing, you know, I look at a lot of my life and I look at my parents or other people that were older than me, and I realize at 45 that, uh, that most people don't know what the fuck they're doing to start with. <laughs> like, they're just, exactly. they're just listless ships at sea just getting nudged around by the endless waves of life. You know what I mean? Like they don't, they don't know what the fuck they're doing, but you look at your parents, like they have all the answers and you don't look at them as like people. You look at them also almost like as the 10 commandments that God handed down, that everything's figured out that like it's set in stone. And then when you start to realize like, Oh shit, there are people like there were like, uh, when I, when I look at my 30 year old dad versus my 30 year old self, I I'm like, shit. Like, I didn't even, I didn't deal with the shit he dealt with, let alone the 40-year-old version or the 45-year-old version. So I look at my dad all the time, <clears throat> and I think about the my life now versus his life now, and and uh, it kind of, you kind of start to draw parallels, if you're a thinking person, about, like, what what were they thinking at that same age when you know, this was going on or that was going on. And then you start to look back and you're like, oh, fuck. Like, it was a lot harder than I I thought it was. And um, it seems like they should have been paying all the attention to me. But there might have been like 30 other things going on that, you know, they were dealing with that you couldn't even begin to fathom. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. Well, yeah, because, I mean, back then, like, parents kept adult stuff to adults, right? Like, growing yep. up, we weren't allowed to step foot. I, you know, never step foot in my dad's bedroom, right? There was adult conversations they had that we were, you know, sent off for. And then I sit now, so I'm 43 right now. And my dad was, like, 45 when I was born, right? Mm -hmm. And so now, let's do that. I'm going, okay, I'm 43. Yeah. Uh, my children are now almost 22 and, and 20. Dude, if I had a baby, I, I, have, I, I have friends who um, have been their first kid or they're having little kids who graduated with high school. And I'm like, I'm out. I, I can do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, 
and so like, he said, look back. I mean, my dad didn't play with us, right? Like he was going to the park aboard plant and he was paying bills and right and, and doing all that. And um, it was definitely a different, you know, um, type of, of thing. And so, you know, again, uh, as you say, you know, that, that backwards perspective of, um, I, you know, I couldn't imagine the crap. I mean, if I had to have someone handed me, you know, and he had, and his, and his wife was gone, right? And he had three yep. kids. Well, Smithport wasn't exactly the place where we weren't getting in trouble. Holy crap, right? Um, um, I think it was hilarious. Um, I don't remember this, how um, they didn't want a game room on Main Street because <laughs> it was going to bring marijuana, yes, yes. drugs into Smithport. <laughs> and Tony Amanetti and I and Brian Bailey were like in the woods with firearms blowing shit up. Uh -huh. Right, and it was just hilarious how they fought so hard not to give us a pool table on Main Street when we were stealing booze and and running around the woods with firearms like freaking right. you know oh that the, uh, you know that kind of stuff. And the best like, thing would be if oh. you were around a pool table on Main Street, like or a, a a pinball machine or anything. If you were on Main Street and observed versus doing whatever whatever popped into your mind yep. it seems like the strangest the strangest thing in the world <sighs> it does and i guess i don't understand it here because oh, because christ back then like and i know because god my younger brother got arrested for it 90 million times um um right the biggest fear they had was us getting a hold of you know fake marijuana or, or <laughs> marijuana itself right <laughs> that world right compared to now mm -hmm. right um you know what's funny about and, uh, you know that stuff what's funny about marijuana now is the amount of people that smoke that are on the down low is a staggering amount of people i have been shocked in the past few years and i'm just gonna come out and say i i don't mind partaking Every once in a while, I never, uh, when I was younger, you know, a, a strict Catholic boy like I was, I, uh, a little of the wine, but never any of the weed, uh, you know, is where I was. But as I get older, the amount of people that smoke is astounding that this is still an illegal thing. <laughs> like it's, it's the weirdest thing to me in the world. And then, uh, I, I get it. And then what's also weird to me is like, I know a lot of my friends who will drink and become total assholes. Like you don't want to be around them. You're like, oh shit. Every time Jeff has a few shots, like we don't want to be around them. But I don't know anybody that smokes a joint. And then you're like, oh shit. Like, uh, he just keeps wanting to give me hugs. <laughs> Like it's it's never a problem. They're not out. Doing people, no, I get it, right? Like we have that friend who was like, you know, none of my pot smoking friends have ever called me at two a.m. Like, hey, <laughs> right, right. And you got ten grand? Yes. Sorry, I'm on a podcast. Um, you know, in another country. So sorry, I got too loud for um my friend who I'm staying with. Uh. And um. So like those, that phone calls never come. Um, right. I I never tried marijuana until I was an adult because that was like my my father, right? And I believed him. He's like, you could do a lot of things. You could murder somebody, help you bury the body. <laughs> if you do drugs, I will kill you, kind of thing. Uh, um, no. So I never got 
got into that. Um, I, I have tried marijuana now, and sadly, I actually had a horrible allergic reaction to it. Did um, you really? And I had to do the EpiPen in the leg. I have a lot of allergies. Really? Oh, yeah, bad, bad, oh. bad allergies. Um, yeah. Damn near went to anaphylaxis, um, but I'm allergic to a lot of weird things. But uh, And the nuance with that as well is um, medical marijuana is legal in the state of Arizona. Mm -hmm. um, but if I were to get my medical marijuana card here, um, I would lose my right to purchase firearms here. Yeah, the same thing in Pennsylvania. Which I have friends and who the VA mailed them morphine every single month, right? And and their their firearms, you know, aren't at risk. Right. But if you right. smoke medical marijuana, you have to check the box that you're addicted to drugs, basically, and you can't carry in Arizona. <sighs> Strange times. Strange times. Well, my friend, it is two o'clock in the morning here, and uh, yeah, my roommate's about to knife me. So. Is she? All right. Well, I appreciate yeah, all this conversation. What? What did you say? I said, um, her and I both currently have. COVID, so, are you feeling like shitty, or you just tested positive? Um, I off and on, she's had it longer than me. Um, but yeah, I feel like I have pneumonia, but, um, I've had bigger and better diseases try to kill me more often, but, uh, it doesn't, doesn't feel awesome. Um, mm -hmm. at all. Again, you get to, go to Walmart, right? And so it's funny. I travel all all over the world and, you know, my friend who worked, um, you know, at Walmart came and gave us COVID. So, you know, mm. good times there. Happens. Um, but yeah, we're doing good, so we can kind of rest, and it's, yeah, it's midnight here, so. All right. Well, thank you very much. I loved all your perspective. Uh, I love you as a human, and uh, we'll do this again sometime. No, I appreciate that. we got to get Tony on. He was just back there for the holidays, and um, we will be there. I would love for you to come check it out. So July, last July, when covid kind of first hit we were supposed to be filming um in smithport um netflix is doing a documentary on the starving dog action pack and my mom um and stuff and so they postponed a lot of that filming because uh, of covid so um this summer um gonna be we're gonna be coming back out there and we're actually going to be filming um in smithport and um and and uh go to where my mom's grave is and, and stuff like that. So uh, we'll definitely be popping into McKean County um, a few times here. Uh, 29, be nice to see some folks that I haven't seen in a really long time. Well, hit me up. We'll do something. That it, sounds good. It sounds, sounds good, my friend. Well, thank you for having me. I was just pushing buttons and <laughs> plan on winding up on a podcast. <laughs> right. Well, happy Thursday, my dear. Like, <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you. We'll chat soon, my friend. All right. Have a good night. Bye. 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 Let's see it. I was slow hitting that button. I thought I could hit it faster, but it's very late.